Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Hey, welcome to Midweek. Glad you guys are hanging out with us this evening. Um, last week, we finished up our look at the Last Supper. So we looked at John chapter 13 through 16. And um, I think for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some uh, different stories, different uh, things happening in the Old Testament. We have been in the New Testament pretty much since we started back in September. Um, and so uh, I think we're going to be in the, new, the Old Testament for the next few weeks. And if tonight completely tanks and it's awful, then uh, I'll call an audible. We'll do something different. And I hope uh, that I won't scare you away and you'll come back next week. But uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 32 this evening, um, looking at a really cool story from the life of Jacob. If uh, you don't have your Bibles, we have our notes on our FC app. We also have them on the screens behind us. But let's look at these few passages in Genesis 32, um, verses 22 through 32. It says, The same night he arose and took two wives, uh, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and men and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed blessed him. So Jacob called uh, the name of this place Peniel saying, I have seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed. Penuel, as he passed Penuel, limping because of his lip, because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Jacob wrestling with God. Yeah, pretty, um, pretty cool story that uh, I, I've always found pretty interesting. Um, and before we we get into it, um, there's some uh, a little bit of history in the life of Jacob that we need to need to look at just so we're all on the same page. And maybe you're, you're somewhat familiar with his life, maybe not. Um, but just so we're all tracking together, um, we just need to be on the same page when it comes to this story. So Jacob was a twin. He had a twin brother named Esau. And uh, even before they were born, while they were still in the womb, um, they, were, they were struggling. It was a little chaotic down there. And the Lord told Rachel um, that these two children will be a divided nation. Um, there will be two nations. They'll be divided. And the older will serve the younger. Now, is that, that's not how it's supposed to work. If you know anything just about history in general, um, you look at like monarchs and kingdoms, usually it's the firstborn that has claim to the throne. And so the same here in the Old Testament that the older should have been the leader, but um, God told Rachel before they were born that the older will serve the younger. So when it's time for them to be born, Esau is born first, little hairy, little redhead thing um, comes out. And as he's coming out, the other brother has a hold of his heel. Um, and so they, they named this child Jacob, um, Yaakov, uh, heel catcher. And these, this name has in culturally has these connotations of being a deceiver, being a supplanter. 
And we, whenever we see names in the Old Testament, um, they mean something. They're important. Uh, my son's name is Owen. Um, I didn't really look at the meaning of the name. Owen is my wife's maiden name, and it just so happened um, if her, her last name was something weird, we probably wouldn't have named him Owen. But uh, it was like, hey, it's a decent, good first name. I know some people named Owen, so that's what it is. But it means young warrior. I'm like, oh, okay, that fits. Um, but you hear people that name their kids like Apple. I'm like, let's get out of here. Like, I, you know, like, um, but hey, if they like it, sure, go for it. But names in the Old Testament, they meant something. Uh, so we look at uh, Abram. It meant exalted father. Now, he didn't have any kids. Um, and so when God made this covenant with him, he changed his name to Abraham, which meant father of multitude. He had one child, wasn't really father of multitude, was he? he just had one, but out of Abraham's line would come a multitude. Um, Abraham and uh, Sarah had Isaac, and Isaac's name means God makes me laugh because uh, one, it was joy brought to their lives, but it was almost like a joke because they had this child in such an old age. And, and so you go on. I mean, you see uh, Joshua. I mean, Jehovah is salvation. And Joshua delivered the, uh, the, the Israelites into the promised land. Um, interesting enough, the name Jesus um, in the Hebrews. Anyone want to guess what Jesus' name in the Hebrew is? Joshua. Yeah, the Yehoshua. It's Joshua. It's Jehovah saves, right? Jehovah delivers. Kind of see how there's a little bit of tie in there. Um, so names mean something. You're like, Jesus' name wasn't Jesus, not in the Hebrew. Um, doesn't change anything about who he is. Um, but the, the point is names had significance. And so we see this, usually we see people's names um, play out in the character of who they are um, in the biblical, biblical stories. And Jacob acts, Jacob's name rings true with, with who he is in the, uh, the Old Testament. Um, you see some deception, you see some trickery, you see him um, taking on roles that weren't meant to be his. So in Genesis 25, you've got Jacob getting his brother Esau to sell his birthright. Genesis 25, 29 through 34. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold him his birthright. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate, drank, and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau gets a really bad rap in here. What kind of brother is like, oh, you're hungry? Give me your birthright. Like, like, I get brothers fight, but like, man, just give him some soup, right? But uh, he, he supplants, he takes on this birthright that was Esau's. And I've never really understood what a birthright entailed, but it was a big deal in the Old Testament. Um, it included a double portion of the inheritance. So I've got three sisters, or two sisters, there's three of us total. Um, my oldest sister, she's the firstborn, but because I'm the male, I'm the firstborn male, so I get the inheritance, right? Um, I don't think that's how it works. But the firstborn would get a double portion of the inheritance. Deuteronomy 21:17. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the first fruits of his strength, the right of the firstborn son. Originally, um, before God uh, changed it, before God appointed the Levites to be the priests um, later on, that the firstborn was to be the spiritual leader of the family, that he was to be the priest. Numbers 3, 11 through 13, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine. So originally it was the firstborn 
Um, we see it again in Numbers 8, 18, and I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. So the firstborn in, in every facet, um, financially, spiritually, legally, they were to be the leader of the home. But Jacob said, hey, sell that to me. That's mine for a bowl of stew. Deceptive, trickery. He gets him in this moment of weakness and, and gets his birthright. Later, we see Jacob deceiving his father. Um, and he doesn't just lie to him once. It's like lie upon lie. It's, it's to the point where Isaac is, is catching on to what Jacob is doing. And he's like, well, how did you get this game so fast? And, and Jacob lies and he said, God provided. He plays the God card, right? And he, like, he invokes God's name to facilitate this lie that he is carrying on. And, and Isaac, um, with his eyesight gone, um, older in years, gives that blessing to Jacob, which was a big deal because that blessing was ensuring that this promise that God had given to Abraham was going to continue on through Jacob and not Esau. And we see Esau's reaction in Genesis 27, verse 35 and 36. And this is Isaac talking. Your brother came in deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob, a deceiver? Um, For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And so Isaac goes on um, to give him a secondary blessing, doesn't revoke what he gave to Jacob, and uh, goes on to verse 41. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother. This life of deceit and trying to work things out on his own strength and with his own wit had led to some serious consequences. Um, After this lie to his father, he finds out his brother is wanting to kill him, so his mother tells him to flee. Hey, let, let your brother cool down for a few days. Um, go see your uncle Laban, and and he actually never sees his mother again. He doesn't get a chance to say bye to her before she passes away. Um, he goes to work for his uncle and falls in love with Rachel and promises to work for seven years. And then what happens? He gets lied to and deceived. And then he has to work for you know another seven years to finally get Rachel, that his family is full of conflict, separated for years. Um, and, and time and time again, we see Jacob fully, like failing to fully trust in the plan of God. Um, now we do see him with this desire to follow God. It's not that he's totally written God off, but more often than not, he's relying on his own strength, his own power, trying to trick and, and deceive to get what he wants and not trusting in the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, but relying on his own abilities. And so his life has been marked by deceit. His name has been playing out to his character. And Jacob and Esau have been separated for some time, and it's time for Jacob to meet Esau. And this is where we pick up in chapter 32. The last time Jacob had seen his brother, Esau was ready to kill him. And so he's like, all right, is this, is this bitterness? Is this rage been building up for years? Is my brother going to kill me, right? And so Jacob, again, kind of failing to trust God, he splits up everything that he has into two groups. And he sends one group one way and another group another way, thinking that if Esau is still mad at me and he tacks, at least not everything I own will be lost. Some of it will be, but I'll still have some that's left. Um, And so he sends one group one way, another group another way. He sends out messengers with with, uh, goats and, and livestock to try to appease Esau and these messengers come back and they're like, hey, Esau is approaching with 400 men. And in Jacob's mind, this is like an attacking force because you see earlier um, in, in Genesis where Abraham led an attack with like 350 men. And so this is like, 
it's not just like he's got his bros hanging out. Like this is an army and Jacob is, is scared. He is terrified. Um, and he's, he, he sends everyone away and he's left in camp by himself. And this leads us to where um, we picked up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. He's alone. And it says this when he is alone, that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hips, hip was put out of joint and he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, let me ask you this. Up to this point, has Jacob been blessed? Yeah. Yeah. He's got multiple children. He's got a ton of livestock and animals. He's got servants. Um, he's struggled, but he's come out prosperous. That He's very wealthy. Um, he's proved to be pretty smart. He, he kind of tricked his uncle to build his wealth. He used his uncle's flock um, to increase his own bank account, if you will. He's pretty crafty. And, and something that's interesting about this battle is that it happens at night. And one of the reasons why I think it might happen at night is because if it were happening in, in daylight, if I were to see Tyler Dietrich, Tyler stand up, he's a big dude. If I were to see Tyler approaching, like, hey man, you want to go? Like, and it's broad daylight, I'm like, let me see what I can say and do to try to get out of this. Jacob, proving that he's pretty crafty, would be like, you know, I'm probably going to try to avoid this guy and not mess with him. But when it happens at night, Jacob doesn't have time to think and react. He only has one option, which is to what? To fight back, it's to engage in this wrestling match. And it's a stalemate. Um, there's like this, it, nothing's really happening. Neither one's winning. Um, and then this man knocks Jacob's hip out of socket. Now, I, watch, uh, I enjoy watching MMA. I enjoy watching UFC fights. And you, you don't see the fighters... In, in an essence, playing with their food, right? That uh, if they can knock someone out early in the fight, they're going to do it. They're not going to draw it out. If they can finish it, they will. And so I'm, I'm like, why is this unknown man? We know who he is. Jacob doesn't. Jacob's just struggling. He's just fighting. So why is this unknown man not really showing who he is in this moment? And I think part of the reason why is because he wants Jacob to struggle. He wants him to understand that this is not an easy solution. It's not just, hey, we're going we're gonna to come to a resolution really quick. And so he, he, the day's coming. He wants, he's like, all right, time to, time to call this thing off. And so he knocks Jacob's hip out of socket. Jacob beaten and injured and exhausted. He doesn't totally give up. He's still holding on to the guy. And he says, I am not going to let you go unless you bless me. And the man says something. He says something really interesting here that I want us to understand. Um, he asks Jacob his name. He asks him what his name is. And we can't miss the importance of what's happening because up to this point, despite Jacob's sin, his lying and deception, God has blessed him. God has still been active in his life. Um, and we see that he's wealthy, but it's up to this point where Jacob hasn't fully submitted to following God where he's still trusting in himself. And Jacob, he doesn't just submit. He doesn't just give him his name, but in essence, he tells him who he is. He, if you will, he confesses his sin. My name is Jacob. Names have meaning. They have significance. So he's not just saying my name is Jacob, but my name is deceiver. It's, it's heel grabber. And it's at this point where we can start to see some application with what's going on in this story. Because 
Um, I've never wanted to marry someone only for their family to trick me and give me the ugly sister on wedding day. Like I'm like, I've never been in that situation, right? I've never um, had a brother that wants to kill me. I've never had 12 children from two different women. Like there's some things in Jacob's life where I'm like, okay, I don't really, that doesn't really apply to me. I've never like separated speckled goats from like full colored goats, but I have struggled with God. And I think we all have. We've all been there where it's like, ah, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling with God. And it's at this point where we can see this. And what we can't miss is that um, this moment right here is, is, it sets Jacob off in a different course. Um, you still see some hints of, of this old kind of deceitful self where he's not totally honest with Esau, but this moment where he's wrestling with God sets him on a different course course, but what first has to happen is he has to fully submit to God in the first place. And I talked, I talked about something similar a few Sundays ago, um, but many times we find ourselves struggling with God. And I'm not going to re-preach that message, but we find ourselves struggling with God. And, and we look for answers, we look for something. And, and Jacob, he didn't let go, that he held on to God. And in our struggling with God, in the midst of our trouble, um, it's not so much... Um, sin, but it's submission. And it's us holding on to God and saying, this is difficult. Um, we look at Jacob, I'm exhausted. I'm injured. I'm beaten. I'm alone. I'm scared, but I'm still going to hold on to you and demand that you bless me. And, and we see that in our own lives. It's like us wrestling with God, but we can't let go. And it's, and there's nothing wrong with that. We see Jesus wrestling with the father in the Garden of Gethsemane, where, where he, he is, he's about to be crucified. And he says, I, I don't want this to happen. We look at Mark chapter 14, and he, he's talking to his disciples. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from me. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible from you. Remove this cup from me. But what happens in this next line? yet not what I will, but your will be done, right? That he is submitting to the Father. That there's this wrestling, there's this struggling, right? I don't want this, but I'm holding on and saying, I'm, I'm submitting to what you want. And when we wrestle with God, we are free to admit our concerns and to admit our, our worries, um, but we also have to be willing to submit to him no matter what the outcome is, no matter what that the, 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 the future holds for us. Um, Jacob admits who he is and he confesses this sin, ultimately submits to God. I'm Jacob. I'm a deceiver. This is who I am. He cries uncle. Um, and God knew who Jacob was, right? He wasn't, he wasn't like, wait, you're a liar? What? You're a deceiver? No way, right? He knew his faults, but he wanted Jacob to say it. Like, who are you? What's your name? Okay, go, go deeper. Who are you? I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. And when Jacob finally submits when he finally releases that, when he finally swallows this pride and says, hey, this is one situation where I can't rely on my smarts and my own ability to get out of. I have nothing else but to give up this name. And there was a sense of power that came with that, with giving up your name. Because he asked the guy, what's your name? And he doesn't give it. Why? Because God submits to no one. And Jacob says, all right. And so this blessing comes and it says this, in Genesis chapter 32, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. 
And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So this is a pivotal moment in Jacob's life um, because, like I said earlier, he begins to walk away from this deceiver and begins to walk away into the nation of Israel, which still stands to this day. Um, for most of his life, he's assumed that his skill is going to help him and get him out of these. But with a simple touch, God, like, disables him, right? Just, it's nothing. Just a simple touch. Um, he's breaking Jacob down so that he can eventually build him back up. Um, when we read through the Old Testament that we should be able to see Christ in what we look at in the Old Testament, um, that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so I'm, I want us to recognize a few similarities um, of the story, at least when it comes to our salvation um, in this. And there's another application that we'll talk about at the very end. Um, but when it comes to salvation, I want us to notice this, that, that God is the one who initiated this battle. Um, God approached him. God took a hold of him first, right? It doesn't say that Jacob approached a man. It says a man wrestled with Jacob. Um, Jacob had plenty on his plate. He wasn't looking for a fight. Um, he was scared. He was worried if his brother was going to kill him. Uh, am I going to lose my family? Has this deceit been worth it? It's led up to this point. He's anxious. He's nervous. He's not looking to get into a brawl, right? He's not looking to vent his frustration. And God initiates this wrestling match with him. When it comes to our salvation, it's God that initiates the change. It's God that approaches us. It's not us just one day becoming like, oh, I'm a sinful human. I should probably do something about this. But it is God who comes to us. John 6, says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And it gives us picture of drawing water up out of a well, right? That, that you drop this bucket in and you are pulling the water up out of the well, that God is drawing us to him. Hebrews 2 uh, or chapter 12, verse 2, just the first part of it says, looking to Jesus, the founder, the initiator, the perfecter of our faith, right? While we're off doing our own thing, or we're off being lost sheep, he's the good shepherd going out and finding us and bringing us home. Um, he is the initiator. And so we see this, God initiating this change that is coming to Jacob's life, God initiating this change, this transformation that's happening in our own lives. Um, the second thing we notice is that Jacob walks away changed in a couple of ways. Um, Jacob's old name is gone. Your name was Jacob. Now you are Israel. And that, what does that name mean? It means God's fighter who struggles with God. It could be foreshadowing Israel's future because we see all these battles in the Old Testament where God is fighting with Israel, where God is fighting on their behalf, right? Where he is working on their behalf. But if I say, man, I'm fighting with Dennis, like me and Dennis are on the same team. But if I say I'm fighting with Dennis, me and Dennis are, are button heads. And so um, you, 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 you struggle with God. So you're struggling together. But then God also came against Israel in response to their unfaithfulness to him. And so there's this, this foreshadowing, this kind of like double meaning here, how you define him with. Are you with somebody? Or are you fighting with them? Like, are you in the cage against them or are they on the same team? And so it's this foreshadowing of the nation of Israel. Um, but it's also this, um, this idea of his old self being gone, right? When he renames him. Does that sound familiar to us about our old selves being gone whenever we're in Christ? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The Jacob's gone. 
that Israel is here, right? The old has passed away, behold, the new has come, that we're no longer children of wrath. We're no longer warring against God, that we are his children. Jacob's name was changed. His identity was changed. What else was changed? The way that he walked, that he walked away differently. It wasn't just, hey, your name's different, your personality's different. He, he was marked by that encounter with Christ, that there was something like a noticeable limp. It said he walked away limping. And to this day, the Israelites don't eat that part of the, of the, of the, 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 the meat that they're eating because that's where God touched Israel. That's where God touched Jacob. Um, our lives as Christ, uh, in Christ are marked and we should be living them differently. It's not that, hey, I'm a child of God. No, no, no. Your walk now needs to be different. We look at Galatians chapter five, um, and Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's this parallel with this story, this wrestling with God that should be evident in our lives, that our identity has changed, our name has changed, but also that our walk is different that there is a noticeable difference in our walk with Christ. But even in this wrestling match, so we can look at it from the lens of salvation, but we can also look at as followers of Christ, this wrestling with God, that even in that wrestling with God, that we walk away differently, that these, these preconceived ideas are, are taken down, that these, um, these false ideas of who God is um, are, are struck down. And um, St. Augustine said, um, uh, that whenever he's talking about the touch of the Lord, the touch of the Lord is the hand of the Lord chastening and giving life. You know, a lot of times you'll hear, God, just touch him. God, just touch him. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to pray that for him? Because Jacob got touched by the Lord and he was changed. Like it was painful and it hurts. Uh, and so we understand that this wrestling with God sometimes includes being touched by God. And that touch is difficult. Hosea chapter six, verse one says, come, let us return to the Lord for he has torn us down that he may heal us. He has struck us down that he will bind us up. Um, even when we're following God, there's times where God has to break us down. And Jacob walks with a permanent limp after this encounter with God. And oftentimes when we walk away with these wrestling matches, we don't give up. We hold on. We hold on fast. And God blesses us through that. He strengthens our faith. He encourages us. But oftentimes those, those wrestling matches leave us marked indifference. We walk away for it. We walk away from it differently. We realize that we're not self-sufficient, but our only hope is in Christ. God humbled Jacob in that moment. Jacob was prideful, arrogant, thinking that he could do things his own way, but it was an act of discipline. It was an act of discipleship, which God brought him to understand that he's got to walk physically, right? Every step is a painful reminder of what God had done in his life, that he's got to walk this life in submission and dependence upon God, that Jacob learned that in order to grow, he had to be brought down first. Let's pray. God, we come before you this evening. God, thanking you for your word. God, thanking you that you have spoken to us um, through your word. God, that we see 
your son throughout the Old Testament, God, crystal clear as he is pointing to the hope that we have in you. God, I pray that as we walk with you, as we wrestle with you, God, that we walk away different. Um, God, that as we struggle with you, God, as, as we are tried, that we hold on to you, God, waiting for the blessing that sometimes comes through pain. God, I pray that you would help us to remember that. God, that every step of our life, every step of our, our day, God, is, is walked differently, God, in submission to you. God, we thank you and praise you. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.